the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back as we head into Hour 3 this Monday, February 8th. It's a delight and privilege to welcome back one of my favorite people in public life who's um, going to take your calls, too, if you have any questions for him. He's happy to do it on any area of public policy you may like. And that is Andy Biggs, representing Arizona's 5th Congressional District, Chairman of the House Freedom Caucus. Representative Biggs, Chairman Biggs, you're also a member of the House Judiciary Committee. And uh, I'm told that the Senate is going to be trying to remove from office tomorrow someone who was removed from office. Can you tell me how this works? A, B, how are you in reverse order? <laughs> uh, I'm doing great, Seth. Thanks. Good to be with you as always. Well, I mean, that's the, that's the rub, isn't it? They're going to try to uh, not just remove him. But what they want to do, the real objective is to obliterate the, the Trump legacy, the, the popular policies, the successful policies, anything related to Trump they'd like to, to get rid of. So just, just understand this. There's three areas that Trump, Trump's team is going to win on during this impeachment trial, the facts themselves. So there's two reasons why. This was uh, what we're finding out from the FBI. It's coming out in drips and drabs because that's what they do. They're, they're, they're going to allow President Trump to to bleed quite a bit, but we're finding out that this was coordinated by some groups and was known uh, days before this event happened. So what that does, that makes, you can't incite a riot when people have already have a conspiracy to, to uh, create mayhem. So and the other aspect to it, Seth, is, is he's literally speaking when people are already breaching. So he's not inciting those people in there, and, and he's telling what his language is, is to go over there peacefully and patriotically. Mm-hmm. So he's going to win the facts, the process, and the Constitution. That's what he should win on. Um, is it, Andy, is it, it, it's weird, you know, I, you, you're in my memory, runs a little longer than most uh, in the media. So I remember a little over a year ago, and there was a ton of sturm and drang and excitement and interest in that impeachment over Donald Trump. This one does seem to be a little bit less, uh, it seems to be garnering a little less interest now, they, maybe that'll all change tomorrow because we, we, we have short attention spans and the media does and, and all that. But it does seem that most people, most people seem to think this is all a bit much. But, uh, you know, you're in Washington and the Democrats, what are they doing? Are they licking their lips? Do they really think they have something here? Well, it's, it's, it's really tough to say right now because uh, most Democrats don't want to even talk to any Republican at all right. uh, any, anymore. I mean, I had a good conversation with one or two of my Democrat friends last week. And when I say that, I'm not being sarcastic. I mean, we really did have a nice conversation about things that we had been working on before all this erupted and everything. And, um, yeah, and that's good. But the reality is, I mean, we're getting, uh, we're getting bills that I had a lot of Democrat support before where now Democrats uh, are sending back messages saying, no, we're not going to sign on to his bill because he's a Republican, because we're not working with Republicans. So it's, it's tough to say, <laughs> Seth, but I, I have a feeling that there's a lot of them that know that this is not a good thing. 
Is it show, does it thing. show a certain weakness of Joe Biden's in a sense, uh, Andy? He's the only one who hasn't weighed in on this, as far as I can tell. The only one in public life who hasn't weighed in on the impeachment, one. Two, you'll remember when John McCain passed, Joe Biden flew out here and, and gave a speech at his one of his Phoenix uh, funerals. And it was all about bipartisanship and how they were the last two who really liked working with the other side and and that sort of thing. And boy, you, you, you're, you're, you're just describing a, a different atmosphere than the one Joe Biden painted. Well, yeah. And the fact is, uh, he is the leader of the Democrat Party, uh, whether he wants to be or not. And his calls for unity certainly ring hollow because he hasn't condemned this bogus impeachment, which is unconstitutional. I, I just don't see how you can say it's constitutional. But he's, he's really... Um, basically failed to to lead it's a failure of leadership and he's signing executive order after executive order that's a failure of leadership it's a failure of leadership of nancy pelosi and chuck schumer a failure of leadership on the part of joe biden instead of saying let's get this through congress let's have some hearings don't ever forget never forget that this impeachment round is one is the only one in the history of this country where you didn't have any uh uh referral to committees You, you had no um, referral back to the body saying we need to ha- have an impeachment investigation. Nothing. None of the normal process, which was barely there a year ago, um, nothing there this time. Uh, you know, Gates calls it a, uh impeachment by reflex. I call it a microwave impeachment because there's no time to slow bake this thing. They've got to get it in and out. Uh, uh, it's a frozen meal that they're trying to thaw it in the microwave. That's, that's where this is. Andy, do I understand this right, that... Uh... Uh, Vermont Senator Pat Leahy is going to preside over the Senate trial. He will be acting as effectively the judge, but he also gets to vote on the yeah. merits of whether to convict or not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it's. Uh, I, I've also likened to, to a Soviet show trial. Yeah. There's, it, it really is. You got a guy who's supposed to be. Well, first of all, the judge who's supposed to show up on this has basically said, I'm not coming. I'm, I, you know, whatever reason. I suspect it's because he looks at it and he says, it's a disaster over there. You're talking about John Roberts, not, right? Yeah, yeah, Chief Justice right. Roberts, yeah. constitutionally. Yeah, he doesn't want anything to do with this. Right, and so he's staying away. So they point, oh, I don't know, let's get one of the biggest anti-Trump uh, senators there we possibly can put him on and to be the judge and the juror. So he's going to rule on admissibility of evidence, procedure, all of these things. And then he says, going to say, you know what, uh, I'm going to vote to impeach or convict. Yeah. The, the reality is that 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 is, you just don't see that in American jurisprudence. You're just not going to ever see that. And of course, people ought know that when the Supreme Court uh, chief does preside over impeachment trials, he does not have a vote on the conviction or the acquittal. He doesn't right. get a vote. He's, he's like a he's like a regular as in any other in courtroom in America. Trial. Right, right. He is right. not on the jury. Um, Andy, how much of a sense? I got to tell you, I see it out here, and you probably see it here when you uh, when you're uh, back in district. But 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 now that you're, as we say in D.C. or in country, how much do you see of this effort to um, to paint every Republican? or at least everyone who had a good thought about Donald Trump here and there, as part and parcel of uh, a domestic violence 
extremist organization or movement? Well, I think it's, I think I see it every day, multiple times a day. I, I talked to one of uh, our senior leaders last week, right before I left to come home. We were talking about this effort to to basically silence Marjorie Taylor Greene from Georgia. And then we, we started iterating who we thought was next in the line, because that's this. it doesn't end with her. No. And uh, uh, I was told they anticipate shortly a censure resolution to censure 140 Republicans, uh, which is almost two-thirds of all Republicans, almost, almost three-fourths of all of the Republicans in the House, for having the temerity to do what Democrats have wanted to do, which is uh, object to the certification of certain state electors. That's, that's been done uh, by Democrats repeatedly, but now they want to censure Republicans for doing that. And that's, that's where we are. That's where they are. They, they don't want to uh, help us with bills. They, uh, they don't want to have a discussion on bills. They change the rules here um, to uh, silence the, the minority rights. And, that, and I'm not saying that as sour grapes. And what I'm saying is it is the consolidation of power that we've seen in other authoritarian nations where the, the bodies that make the laws, in this case, we, are, we receive our authority from the people. It's delegated to us to go make the laws. In authoritarian uh, regimes uh, in the early part of the last century, that's what they did. They, they took the, and they co-opted that legislative branch and basically created a one-party system at the same time that they were consolidating power uh, militarily, um, domestically with intelligence, as also uh, with with the press and the media. That's what we see happening. That's what I see on a daily basis. And I get the sense, maybe uh, I, you're, you're saying one more segment, aren't you? Uh, may, maybe maybe the, yeah. um, the sense I, I, I'm picking up is that all of the – uh, the militarization of the capital right now is meant as 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 a political piece of propaganda uh, that it's there because Republicans. If no Republicans, we wouldn't need the National Guard and the razor wire. That's that's the sense I'm picking up. Let me, let me hold you there on the break, Andy, and put out the phone number if anyone wants to weigh in with you and ask a question of you on anything about this immigration spending. Andy is your congressman, and he's happy to take your calls. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Chairman Biggs and I will be right back. We're, we're delighted to have with us Andy Biggs, chairman of the House Freedom Caucus, representing Arizona's 5th Congressional District, and got a bunch of calls, but they had asked me if I would throw these questions to you, Andy, myself. So happily, I'm happy to do it and uh, get get as many questions in as possible this way, I think. Uh, first of all, Andy, if you don't mind, you talked a little bit about this with us last time you were here, but every day seems more news from the Biden administration and the border. What's your sense of the new rules with immigrations and customs enforcement, arrests, deportations, and uh, this fabulous headline from the Washington Post, Biden faces border challenge as migrant families arrive in greater numbers. Obviously, they're not seeing the point of, of, of the headline, but I get it. What's your sense of, of uh, the Biden administration and, and the border at this point? Well, I think they're doing exactly what they said they would do, what we said they would do, and what we expected. And that is to work as quickly as possible to 
um, remove the protections that President Trump had put in. And don't forget, President Trump, he did marvelous things with foreign policy, not the least of which was our border. So he worked with Mexico, remain in Mexico policy. That's leaving. That's going away. Um, he used Title 42, um, which, is a, which is a law put in place to allow emergency, uh, and he used COVID, so allows to turn away people. That's going to go away. Uh, Biden is basically incentivizing people to come here by promising amnesty to everybody who's here illegally. You don't really need any other incentive than that. So we know that cartels are, are advertising now, putting together caravans. We know that people have been massing there since since uh, late November. Uh, and th- what you're seeing is unaccompanied minors are, are going up. That's why they're opening up. Don't forget this, Carroza Springs in Texas. That is what the Democrats said was the concentration camp for, for, mm-hmm. for kids. Mm-hmm. This administration is opening that up, mm-hmm. um, and you don't hear anything. It's, well, it's no longer a concentration camp for kids. What it is now is a, it's a wonderful group home uh, that will be used temporarily. That's mm-hmm. what they're saying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so, so it's all narrative to them, and uh, we're going to see a surge like we haven't seen before. By the way, the numbers already, Seth, that uh, are coming across that we know of, that we're apprehending, etc., that already is going to be pushing over a hundred thousand a month, and the and you're looking at it was a, two years ago it was one hundred fifty thousand was the highest apprehension. Wow. Month. Wow. It's going to go. It's going. We're, we're already there under Joe Biden. And is it good public policy? I mean, I, I, it's an obvious answer to the obvious question here. But what is the reasoning behind a public policy where ICE is going to be having new operational plans? not to deport people involved in drug-based crimes, assault, property crimes, uh, solicitation? Why would they eliminate categories for deportation? I mean, do they just want to break the system? Is that the point here? Well, you can't really – I can't really go to what their motives are. I can only tell you that what it looks like to me is they they do want to break the system. Mm -hmm. They, they, they They really want an open border. And they really don't care if uh, if people are terrorized by like folks that are coming here illegally instead of deporting uh, bad guys. Mm-hmm. The other question that uh, I had a couple calls on for you, and you can put it together however you want, is uh, social media uh, reform, big tech reform. Uh, a lot of talk lately that the state legislatures uh, seem to take be wanting to take an interest in it. Minnesota seems to want to. Uh, Texas looks like it's putting together uh, a, a state a piece of state legislation to ban viewpoint or political viewpoint discrimination. Um, is that the best way to go right now since the Democrats are in charge in Washington? Or what's your thought on social media and big tech reform? Okay, so first first of all, I do I do like that that states are trying to get at it as well. Um, Florida has a, has a piece of legislation that's going to, uh, they're trying to get through as well. Um, what we're facing in D.C., and by the way, there is movement here. There are points of, of um, agreement between uh, Democrats and Republicans here. Um, we just, we're just kind of not agreeing with the tips of our fingers. We're on the sides of the fingers. We can get to the tips of the fingers. We might be able to actually get something done. The problem that we will always face in Congress is that you may have somebody like a, a Cicilline who's wrong on everything else, who may be right in some respects on this issue, okay. and, and those of us on the conservative side who agree, 
But Nancy Pelosi comes from that valley, that Silicon Valley area. Mm-hmm. She's going to protect that at all costs, mm-hmm. and she's going to undermine what we do. So I, I really do like seeing the states get involved. And I'll just tell you the other thing is we need the courts to enforce Section 230. And we need, well, we won't have the DOJ here, but uh, if states' attorneys general, who are bringing lawsuits, by the way, can take this to the federal courts and say, look, Section 230 only provides protection if you're really a platform. But when you're censoring, you become a publisher. And so that's, that's right now, that's, that's our two avenues, the state legislatures and the attorneys generals of the states to, to really try to get Section 230 enforced. And if that happens, then you're going to be nibbling away at it and, and, um, and, clar- and provide some clarification. Last question I got a couple for you here had to do with uh, the big debate over school reopenings. You and I have been on this since April of last year, quite frankly, but it seems, you know, now there's a tension on it, particularly out of Chicago. What is your view on uh, school reopenings in places like Chicago right now? Well, the science hasn't changed, Seth, as you know, in nine months. Science was pretty clear nine months ago. We had it from other uh, nations that that were giving us their science uh, that, that that children get, go safely back to school, and you can open school safely. And if you don't, um, there'll be uh, uh, even more uh, risk for children, whether it's um, uh, the suicide risk, depression risk, the antisocial behavior risk, the, the, the fact that we now have some students that have not been in a, a classroom really in almost a year. Uh, they fall behind. They don't get the attention they need, particularly for a special needs child of some kind. We're long past the time to open up. And I give my kudos to places like Florida and, and Governor Ron Santos, who's, who's working on that, trying to get those schools open. Um, but in Chicago, it's boiled, and, and some other locations around the country, it's boiled down to just unions versus what's best for those kids. And those union teachers have not chosen what's best for those children. Those children are suffering. They need to be able to get back in school. And the most vulnerable of them. Andy, this was great. I love doing this. We should do it more from time to time. Rapid rounds with Andy Biggs. I really like it. All right, Andy, you're doing good work. Absolutely. You betcha. Keep it up, my friend. Thank you, Seth. Keep fighting the fight. You betcha. Oh, can we say that anymore? Can we say no, that? No, 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 we can't. Unless we're speaking in our personal capacity, then it doesn't matter. <laughs> like the CDC director, right? That's right. All right. God love you, sir. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Seth. All right, Andy. God bless. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show, 602-508-0960. Hi, Rob. Well, hi, Seth. I hope you had a great weekend. I had a great weekend. That's wonderful. I, I want to be the first to wish you a happy Mary Queen of Scots beheading day <laughs> back in 1587. Wow. Okay. Um, I, I don't think anybody's wished You are the that. first. And, you are the first. Well, thank you. You bet. Um, also, let's see, the uh, Russo-Japanese War started in 1904. Mm-hmm. And best of all, we uh, secured Guadalcanal on this day in 1943. Mm. Um, I want to give a plug real quick. The Middle East Forum that comes on Sundays at noon. Oh, good. On AM 960. I, I highly recommend it. Uh, Mr. Wolf has some great comments and guests. Um, and actually, a couple weeks ago, they had on Dr. Rachel Ehrenfeld, 
who was the founder of American, the American Center for Democracy. She lives in New York City, and she has written a couple of really great books on tracking money, narco-terrorism, I think she called it, mm-hmm. um, which, which tracks money that goes to terrorist organizations from various sources. But what's even more interesting is I took her on a date. Um, I took her on a date in New York City when I was there about 15 years ago to a Billy Cobham concert at the Blue Note, hmm. and she uh, she was great. She's just she's a total sweetheart and totally brilliant. She's a PhD, of course. Um, but I I just had to mention that anyway. Um, I had read, and I think it was Hinderocker on Powerline who had mentioned the Harry Jaffa lecture in 1991 from the Claremont Review of Books on the Long Arm of Socialism. Ah. Uh, I quote, I quote from that speech often, yes. Oh, good, yeah, because, you know, what, what I'm seeing, and you probably are too, um, you know, this is after the breakup of the Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So we think, you know, Louisiana history and communism's dead, but not so fast because we have, uh, well, the only joke that uh, is truly uh, – Absolute, and I think he mentioned this, is that the only true believers in Marxism are tenured professors in American universities, which is kind of scary. Um, But he talks about diversity. He talks about political correctness. And these are all the things that have been going on for, what, 20-odd? No, let's see, 19, Yeah, about 30 years now. 30 years now. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, he was very prescient about this. And oh, he totally he, was. He totally was. Yeah. Ra- d- diversity does, is demanded by those who will tolerate no deviation from the politically correct. And what is political correctness but another name for the party line, right? Well, exactly. And that's what, so, that's what really struck me because when John Hinderocker posted that, he had had, you know, the second to last paragraph and last paragraph in his lecture. But having read the whole thing um, – there's so much information there that I think more people need to know because um, there's just a whole, uh, I don't know, what do you say, a, a summary of the struggle we have yeah. Yeah. with communism and socialism versus the survival of Western civilization. And I think I think he was... He was right on then, and I think it applies so much to today. Yeah, I think he was 30 years ahead of his time on this. Absolutely. I was just lamenting over an email exchange with Steve Hayward, another Powerline writer. Steve and and I were Jaffa students, literally. And uh, I was was, uh, lamenting with Steve. I said, it's too bad the old man's not alive right now. No one could explain our times better um, because no one explained to them better 30 years ago before they happened. Yeah, and I think he, he certainly had the vision yep. that uh, applies today, and I think more people need to read his lecture, and I think more people need to go to the Claremont Review of Books and pull out some of his uh, lectures and comments, because it's so true. It's all it's all truth, uh, and it's really, really frightening yet enlightening at the same time, if that makes sense. It is, and uh, if you want to understand the Marxist roots – of the current intellectual environment, or the BLM movement for that matter, uh, the everything underlying the notion of equity, diversity, political correctness. If you want to understand its Marxist roots, uh, the, the, Harry, Harry's the one who does it. Um, Harry is the one who shows you that political correctness is nothing less than um, – 
the blind and willful insistence upon the fulfillment of the goals of revolutionary Marxism, um, without any reference to the fact that it was a failed uh, enterprise, uh, and that it differs, political correctness today differs from Marxism uh, only in its insistence uh, that it needs no justification. It can be demanded and it can be enforced and it does not need to be debated. As the BLM curricula say, the first, uh, the first thing we state is that we do not need to discuss nor defend the purpose of this curricula. Okay, alrighty then. We'll just accept it by fiat. Parts of this show are brought to you by Balance of Nature. It is the favorite product, my most favorite product I've ever taken or endorsed, and I endorse it for you as well, heartily, healthfully. It is the single greatest, most effective whole food supplement on the market so far as I know. It'll boost your immunity, your energy, and health. Good things to be doing this time of year. All natural, vine-ripened fruits and veggies picked at the peak of ripeness. No sugars, no chemicals, no GMOs. All reduced into um, their uh, vegetarian capsules using a unique cold press process that preserves the essence and the essential vitamins and minerals of all those fruits and vegetables. You get tens of thousands of vital nutrients in just one daily dose from things like apples and cherries and papayas and blueberries and kale and onion, wheatgrass, good, healthy stuff for immunity, health, and energy. They have free shipping and 35% off any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies. Give them a call at 800-246-8751 or visit them at balanceofnature.com. Just use discount code BALANCE. Um, tomorrow, with the uh, beginnings of the impeachment trial, um, keep in mind, do recall the best lesson that um, I take from C.S. Lewis's Screw Tape Letters, where um, Screw Tape, old Screw Tape, tells his uh, nephew Wormwood. Do remember, do recall, you are there to fuddle them. Fuddle them. Not a good word, fuddle. Confuse. So for weeks, we have been uh, mentioning that uh, as ridiculous as the mob was on January 6th, as a uh, misfit, misbegotten, and anarchistic as it was, it wasn't exclusively Trump supporters. There was a man named John Sullivan who I've talked to you about his webpage that has a uh, on the front page a video of a riot where he's burning where they're burning the American flag and it's a left-wing organization John Sullivan was arrested during the riots as a left-winger anti-Trump activist media doesn't cover much about it and now they're going to do their best to fuddle you about him as our friends at issues and insights uh warn us political PolitiFact warps reality about left-wing activist inciting Capitol Hill riot. PolitiFact article says, quote, there's no proof that a left-wing anti-Trump activist named John Sullivan incited rioting at the U.S. Capitol. As a result of this claim, Facebook flagged and reduced distribution of a post that accused Sullivan of doing just that. However, 
Video footage indisputably proves that Sullivan encouraged people to storm and vandalize the Capitol. Moreover, Sullivan was subsequently arrested and charged with, quote, violent entry and disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds and interfering with law enforcement during the riot. Now, in light of these revelations, PolitiFact updated its article twice, but has not changed its conclusion, despite overwhelming evidence to the contrary. The Facebook post targeted by PolitiFact states that, quote, anti-Trump founder of radical left-wing group Insurgents USA, John Sullivan, incited insurgents of U.S. Capitol, and PolitiFact proclaims there's no evidence that he did. The PolitiFact case rests for its conclusion on Sullivan's claim that he was not leading the mob and was only there to experience and witness what went down. And PolitiFact then cites a photojournalist who's done work for NBC and NBR to back up Sullivan's claim. However, (laughs) facts are funny things if you can get them out, just not PolitiFact. Law enforcement obtained videos from Sullivan that show him provoking and participating in the riot. The FBI sought and was granted a warrant to, re- to arrest him. The affidavit and video footage shows that he was yelling through a megaphone outside the Capitol, get in that <clears throat> word I can't say, let's go, let's go, move, 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 storm that word I can't say, this is ours, this is our word I can't say house. He wore a ballistic vest and gas mask as he entered the Capitol and declared, let's burn this word I can't say down. On and on, he shouted that thing. Pointing his camera at the door, he said, why don't we go in there after someone hit the door? Sullivan said, that's what I'm saying. Break that word I can't say. He broke a window. It's on video. And he said, I broke it. Well, they already broke a window. I didn't know that I hit it that hard. Hopefully no one got it on camera, close quote. And he joined a crowd of rioters that was trying to break through a door and said... I have a knife. Let me through. I have a knife. Moreover, the video shows that the photojournalist who PolitiFact was relying on was part of the plan, part of Sullivan's plan. It shows that Sullivan's video and him are together talking and saying, I'll give you a hug now. We did it. And on and on they have this dialogue. It's all available at Issues and Insights. And this is why, in fact, left-wing activist and leader Sullivan was arrested and charged in federal court with one count of entering a restricted building, one count of violent entry and disorderly conduct on Capitol grounds, and one count of interfering with law enforcement. So when people say, oh, PolitiFact announced it, show them this. Show them this. It's at issuesinsights.com. Issuesinsights.com with all the links to the video. <clears throat> and it's it's merely about the fact that you and Bill and me, this wasn't us. This wasn't us. Whether you are a left-wing agitator or a misbegotten anarchist, it wasn't us. These people were nuts. Left wing as well as right. I'm Seth. We'll be right back.
The aforementioned Steve Hayward of Powerline uh, discovers an interview in the New Yorker magazine with Gabriela Lopez. She's the head of the San Francisco Board of Education that led in the taking down of the names of so many of those high schools, like the Abraham Lincoln High School. And in that interview, he uh, takes it from the New Yorker and excerpts it for us. And the interviewer, Isaac Chotner, asks the head of the San Francisco Board of Education what she thinks of Lincoln generally. And she says this, I think Lincoln gets more praise than he deserves. Yeah, I don't know. I think that Lincoln is not someone that I typically tend to admire or see as a hero because of the specific instances where he has contributed to the pain of the decimation of people. That's something that I want not to ignore. It's something that I'm learning about and that I know it's not often spoken about. Maybe if you're the head of a board of education, learn something before you pronounce something. As uh, Hayward likes to quote, also aforementioned Harry Jaffem, my understanding of Marxist communism is that whatever its own understanding of itself, its necessary result is the extinction of the memory of the past. There will always be fictitious memory of sorts, which will call itself memory. But the idea of the leap into freedom, which is essential for Marxism, implies the radical superiority of the future over the past in all fundamental human respects. And any memory of that past and genuine memory of the past destroys the illusion of that superiority and hence has to be extinguished. That's why we have memory holes, folks. Until tomorrow, God bless you all. Thanks for spending some of your day with us. Class dismissed.